1: Support for LAist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. LAist Studios Today on the L.A. Report, a new ban on balloons in Laguna Beach. A teen who was the subject of the state's first ever ebony alert has been found. And a look back at the history of Grand Central Market in downtown L.A. It's Saturday, January 6th. I'm Jill Replogle in for Julia Paskin. That's coming up on the weekend edition of the L.A. Report from LAist 89.3. But first, here's the latest news. California gray wolves have made a comeback. A small but growing population of wolves have re-established themselves in California. The last gray wolf was observed in the 1920s, and it wasn't until 2011 that there was a sighting of a wolf from Oregon that crossed into California. Jordan Traverso with the State Department of Fish and Wildlife says right now the state is home to about six to eight packs.
0: We do see a lot of movement within those packs because of new pack establishing from another pack. And we have somewhere in the range of about 50
1: to 60 wolves, I'd say. Traverso says hikers or ranchers who are concerned about wolf encounters or attacks on livestock should know that the wolves pose little risk since there are so few of them and that the wolves will mainly prey on deer. The state does have a reimbursement program if wolves attack a rancher's livestock. And in Anaheim, a new law going into effect is intended to protect hotel housekeepers from violent behavior by equipping them with panic buttons. This applies to about 150 hotels and motels in the city. Short-term rentals are excluded from the law. A 17-year-old teen from South L.A. has been found after going missing for nearly a week. The girl's disappearance was the first time that California Highway Patrol issued an ebony alert under a law that went into effect in the new year. The law was designed to address the increased risk of harm faced by black children and young women. The teen is now home safe. We don't want to be the ones letting air out of your day, but if you're someone who liked to fly balloons in Laguna Beach, well, you can't anymore. Redman Redmond Carl Lipio has the details.
2: The Beach City is banning the use and sale of balloons in public places. That means parks, beaches, and streets. And you can still buy balloons from retailers based outside of the city. The ban was approved by the city council a year ago. So what's wrong with balloons? Well, they're messy and can cause a variety of problems in nature. Several environmental groups say people who buy balloons do a poor job of picking up, leaving the balloons as trash that can harm wildlife. According to Southern California Edison, wayward balloons, especially the ones made out of stuff that can conduct electricity, are responsible for hundreds of power outages. Other cities that have balloon bans are Glendale, Hermosa Beach, and Encinitas. In Laguna Beach, it's up to a $500 fine for violators. For LAist 89.3, I'm Redmond Carlipio.
1: And you can read more about this and other local news on our website, laist.com. While you're there, check out our story on where to find the best non alcoholic cocktails in LA. Might help you meet your New Year's resolution. More after this break. Support for L.A.S. comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org.
2: Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power, inviting everyone to join the Ripple Effect. Water plays a pivotal role in our lives, and every individual's actions matter in preserving this resource. Each action we take starts the ripple of change, making a greater impact throughout the community. Be part of the Ripple Effect and learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect.
1: If you're ever in downtown LA looking for a place to eat, Grand Central Market is always a safe bet. A centerpiece of Los Angeles for more than a hundred years, the food hall has something for everyone. With 40 vendors featuring some of LA's best and most diverse culinary experiences, no one will go home hungry. And beyond the food, many Angelinos might not know about the market's unique and rich history. How to L.A. host Brian De Los Santos and L.A.'s food editor Gab Chabron recently headed to Grand Central Market to talk about its beginnings and to eat.
0: So we're going to try some delicious food in a little bit, but let's go back to the year of 1917 when the place was founded. It was called the Wonder Market at the time. So let's give listeners a feel for what it was like back then when it first started. Gab, what do you know about this place? Yeah, so
2: L.A. was on the cusp of... What began is many culinary revolutions. Grand Central Market was established to meet the needs of a growing population. It was a reflection of the city's diversity and started as a true marketplace that featured produce and international spices. At the time, there were over 90 vendors that packed into the space and catered to a more sort of wealthy class at the time.
0: To paint a picture of what the demographic was like down here, we're at the back dining tables right across from Angel's Flight. It opened in 1901 to transport people living up in the wealthy area of Bunker Hill to go to downtown to shop, eat, go to shows, and eventually go to Grand Central.
2: They would ride the Angel's Flight funicular down the hill to the market and do their grocery shopping. It was a great place to come and get your food, maybe enjoy a snack, and just chill, and I believe There, uh, right next to Angel's Flight is that park that was featured in 500 Days of Summer.
0: Yes,
2: that was so iconic, I loved it. I used to go there
0: on my lunchtime by myself, God.
2: we're, We're swimming in millennial cinematic film references right now, we've got a little bit of La La Land and a little bit of 500 Days of Summer. Bradbury Building is right there. Bradbury Building also in that, uh, also in 500 Days of Summer and uh, a bunch of other films too. Blade Runner also, so.
0: So obviously the market has gone through a lot of changes. The last hundred years, of course. Obviously when we're here now, there's no bow ties and there's a lot more chill vibes. So, you know, what has happened? So post-World War
2: II, as we all know, there was an economic boom. So a lot of the demographics changed. Wealthy folks moved out of downtown and into the suburbs because they wanted more space. The market began selling less, higher in produce and delicacies, and more standard groceries to reflect the local community population. The market has evolved along with the city's changing demographics and continues to do so even today.
0: Talking about changes which we always do on How to LA, you know, I, I want to talk about the Latino influence of the market itself, you know. There's still people selling Latino food, but also like even like the little market that is still here with spices from Mexico and all this stuff. At a certain point it was about 80% Latino vendors and I feel like we still see some of that today. As you can see and as we'll look around
2: a little bit later, there's still some remnants of that too as well. Some of the original folks who have been here for the the last 30-40 years are still here, speaking of lots of Latin American food as well as spices, groceries, etc.
1: Thank you. was LAist food editor Gab Chebran and How to LA's Brian De Los Santos discussing the history of Grand Central Market. And there's more to the story. To listen to the whole episode, find How to LA anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the weekend edition of the LA Report. The Weekend L.A. Report is hosted by me, Jill Replogle, and produced by Monica Bushman and Kevin Tidmarsh. Our engineer is Sean Corey Campbell. The podcast is edited by Fiona Ng. Catherine Mailhouse is the director of content development. And our vice president of podcasts is Shayna Naomi Crockmall. Join us back here tomorrow. You can read more at LAist.com and listen live on the LAist app or on the radio at 89.3 FM. Listeners like you help make the LA Report possible. Please donate at laist.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Southern California a better place to live.